So if you're here and this is your first week, we've been in a series called Judge Not. It's a, it's a title, it's a scripture, it's a thing that we hear a lot about. And so last week, Pastor Farrell kind of set the groundwork, what judging is and what it isn't. And so this week, I want to kind of continue on that, on the Judge Not topic. And, and I think it's very easy for us to kind of all come together and identify what judging is. I don't know about you, but when political issues, when, and I'm going to give you just a couple of illustrations here, when things like the Trayvon and, and George Zimmerman trial and stuff are going on, I, I cut social media off for like a week because all of a sudden experts just started rising who never had any vocal opinion, but now they know everything and want to plaster it on Facebook, Twitter, and so forth. Would y'all agree with that statement? Some of y'all, I mean, I, I remember people going, you know, just... I can't believe some of these people and what they're saying. And the judgment, the judgmentalness that people give when, when these things arrive is just crazy, isn't it? I think about, you know, as a kid growing up, and you know, you used to take that break from over summer. And so you go for a good two months and you hadn't seen your friends. And that was a big day to come back for orientation. Some of y'all, it's been a while, try to remember what that used to be like. Okay, so... You know, you, you have a good two months off. You hadn't seen your friends. And so you do the whole clothes shopping thing. You know, you got to buy new clothes. You got to buy new sneakers. You got to get your hair cut. You know, you work out like two days before because this is the first time you've seen the ladies in two months, right? And they've changed and they want to see how you've changed. And so, you know, you get your class schedule and you walk with your, you know, your friends in the hallway and it's kind of a hangout. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I sucked the gut in a little bit, pulled up the Popeye, you know, tried to walk around with the chest out just a little bit, you know, looking at the girl like, how you doing? How you doing? You know, walking with the guy. And it's almost like you could feel people just looking at him like, you know, how's, hmm, whoo. Maybe he should have worked out. Or, you know, people looking at, hmm, they shouldn't have dyed their hair that color. You know, you just feel that kind of judgment. Anybody identify with that? You can just, you know, feel that. And so we even have TV shows. We love the reality. We love seeing people and calling them out. We got Judge Judy. We got Judge Joe Brown. We got the People's Court. I mean, we got all these things where we just real life stuff where the judges lay down the law. I'm going to pick on Jerry for just a minute. He, he's over here. And during that whole um, George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin trial, um, I, I, I told a man, I said, you know, it's crazy that I have never been summoned to jury duty. I mean, I'm 31 years old and not one time I've ever, everybody in my family I think has. And, and uh, so the verdict it came out, I think it was kind of closer to a weekend, possibly. I don't know, it's been a little while ago, but. I said, man, I, I think it'd be kind of fun. I wouldn't want to do a, a trial like that, but I think it'd be kind of fun, you know. So uh, I go to my, I'm not making this up. The next morning, ask my wife, the next morning, I go and check the mail and she busts out laughing and comes running in and go, ah, ha, ha. And I was like, what? She goes, you're not going to believe this. The next morning, summon for jury duty, August the 11th. So I text Jerry and I say, hey, man, you got any tips on how to get on the jury? <laughs> and he thinks I text off because he responds, yeah, I think my wife has that too. I might be able to tell you, you know, what you can do or something, something to say. I said, no, how to get on the jury? Because people told me you got to work on your poker face. 
you know, because when they ask you a question, they want to, you know, you just got to look at them stare. And so I have that. Well, you know, we, if you remember on the people's court, they always had this guy that's standing out on the sidewalk with these people, right? And they ask them, what do you think? How would you rule in this situation? What's the fair thing to do in this case? And so you have to make a what? A judgment. There's a hashtag on Twitter called don't judge me. Anybody on Twitter? Wow. Right, this is not going to go as good as planned. All right, so basically it's kind of like a subject line, uh, an issue per se, and people make these things. And, and so I went on Twitter and I found a couple of hashtags that uh, people, again, those of you that don't know anything about it, just, just try to get it. Uh, <laughs> so somebody posted on Twitter and, and the hashtag was don't judge me. I steal croutons off of other people's salads when they're not looking. Don't judge me. When I forget to put on deodorant, I rub car air freshener, air freshener on myself. Don't judge me. I be air drumming like I be performing. Don't judge me. I call all the people that I've been ignoring while I'm on the toilet. I just bought all the Twilight movies. Don't judge me. But you know, people get judged for everything, right? You can't do it right. You get judged for being too skinny. Then you're judged for being too fat. Then you're judged for being too short. You're judged for being too tall. You're judged for small feet. You're judged for big feet. If you're too masculine, you get judged. If you're too feminine, you get judged. You can be too spiritual and people judge you. You can be too worldly and people judge you. You got too much money, guess what? Judged. Don't have any money, bad mistakes. They can't manage their money, judged. You drink too much, judged. And then when you don't drink, you get judged. Do we get the point? It doesn't matter what you do. There's going to be judgments that people, hey, maybe you this morning were leaving your driveway and you looked over at your neighbor's yard and you're like, they didn't cut their grass this whole week. Their dandelions are going to fly in my yard. I might have to cut my grass twice. That's what my neighbors say about me. (laughs) Um, Maybe you were on the way to church and the person in front of you, it's 55, dude. Pastor Farrell, you don't even see him. All you see is a white streak going by. He's like 90 on 55. That's the minimum when he drives. You get judged for preaching too long. And then people are like, it's too long. People are beating us to the restaurants. Can you preach shorter? And then as the worship leader, you sing too much. You don't sing enough. Back and forth and back and forth. So I think it's safe to say we all, every one of us in here, have been judged. Amen. So when is it okay for us to judge? When is it okay for us as Christians? When is it okay if you're here and maybe you're like Christian, what's that? If you're non-Christian, when is it okay to judge? We saw that Jesus said last week, how we judge others, the measurement that we use to judge others is how we are gonna be judged. So if you don't wanna be judged strictly, then you don't need to judge others strictly. But I think when we understand the why and the when we judge others, and what our motivation is behind it. Here, listen to this. When we understand the why and the when, we get a better understanding of ourselves. Think about this for a second. What irritates you and why? Because some things irritate some people and it doesn't irritate other people. And so as we get ready and we dive into the scripture, I wanna pray that God would just open our eyes this morning that he would bring conviction to us when we're judging when we shouldn't, and then he would open our eyes 
when we need to judge and hold others accountable, which is what we're going to talk about this morning, because it's a big responsibility, and this applies to both Christian and non-Christian. So just pray with me for a moment. God, I just uh, ask that you would open our hearts, open our eyes to your word. Your word is truth. It is factual. It's real. What I say, God, is just my opinion, but I take everything I say, God, and I line it up with your word. And God, I just ask, and we hate this, Father. It's never fun, but Lord, convict us when we're being too judgmental. And as we see today, let us rise up and give us boldness when we need to speak up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 7. This isn't the verse of passage we're going to land on, but I just want to talk real quick to kind of set the stage. As you're turning there, the passage of Scripture, Jesus is at this festival, and he's there early in the morning. And halfway through the festival, he decides he's going to go to the temple like we've seen throughout, you know, the different Gospels. Jesus goes to the temple, and he begins to teach. And so there's some people there, and they want to learn, and so they're sitting there with Jesus. And, and they, again, ask that question, how did he learn so much? Like, how did this, this man who's here, how does he know so much? And so Jesus responds to them. He says, you know, what I'm saying, what I'm speaking, it comes from God. And that whoever responds on their own does it for their personal glory. But whoever seeks the glory of God seeks truth is kind of what he just tells the people that are standing around. And then Jesus makes one of these statements that we see all throughout Scripture that went, maybe he should have given them a little bit more insight as to what he meant because they totally missed the point and didn't get what he was saying. And so they're looking at him and they're kind of calling into question and some things. And here's what he says to them uh, after they're asking those questions. He said, why are you trying to kill me? And they, I could just see him kind of looking at their like, because, you know, he knows what's going to happen. He knows what his mission is. He knows why he's supposed to be there on this, planet, on this earth. And so he looked and they're like, what, what, do you, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And, and, and here's probably the worst judgment ever placed on anybody. I mean, it's placed on the Son of God. They actually say, is this man demon-possessed? Like, what, what is he even talking about? He doesn't even make sense. And so in verse 21, listen to what he responds and he says to them. He says, Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you were all amazed, yet, in other words, because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it didn't come from Moses but, for, but from the patriarchs. He says, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath and now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Because if you remember, he heals this man and they try to get him like, you know, he's breaking Moses' law, you know, trying to call out him and conviction and so forth. And I just want to rest assured we're not going to be talking about circumcision today. We're going to be talking about judgment. And so here's the statement he says. He says, stop judging by mere appearances, but judge correctly. In other words, or judge righteously. Here Jesus talks about judging based off the appearance and what it looks like, but not understanding the whole process or principle behind it. And I think that's probably the most common form of judgment that we see, even that we do to others, is the appearance, the hypocrisy. We don't know the full details. We don't know what's going on. I mean, for us to go to somebody and say, I can't believe that person doesn't have any money. I can't believe that they waste all their money. I can't believe that, you know, they're on this and they're on that. We don't know that they lost their job. We don't know that their kid 
has cancer and all their money is going to medical bills. And we don't understand all the details behind it before we're so easy to cast judgment on people in their situation. And so Jesus says, you can't judge based on appearance. You need to make sure that you're judging correctly or, or using righteous judgment. And so let's be honest, probably the number one reason why we judge, and here's stepping on toes right now, is because we wouldn't do it that way. The number one reason why we probably cast judgment on others is we would act differently. We know better. They made a bad choice. They put the wrong shoes with the wrong outfit. They should have gone one more size up on that shirt. He stayed in the tandem bed way too long. Right? It's like we wouldn't do it that way, and so immediately we would cast a judgment. So when, we, when do we judge others? We judge more strictly and strongly on things that we struggle and deal with. Now think about that for just a second. We judge more strict and strongly on things that we don't deal with. I'll give you a couple examples. People who ride around, y'all know what I'm talking about, people who ride around with their windows down and the music blaring so that the whole neighborhood could hear it. The people who judge them are people that don't do that, right? The people who roll their windows down and have the music blaring, they're like, ah, you know, I like that, ah, yeah. Okay, so then you have another, so an example would be, you have a guy who has a nice truck, right? And it's, and it's jacked up. Now, there's two ways. It can go both ways here. A person who's jealous that maybe, oh, man, I like that truck, but I wouldn't have put them tires and them rims on it. I'd put some, I'm going to get me some 45 Super Swampers. I don't even know if that's a tire. I'm just, <laughs> if it is, that was a good illustration. Think about it. The people who drink don't judge other people who drink, right? The people who gossip aren't the ones who judge the people who are gossiping. The people who curse aren't the ones who typically judge the people who curse. And the people who steal aren't the people that, one, that would judge that normally steal. And so forth and so on. You get, that, you get the point here. So we judge more strictly and strongly with issues that we ourselves don't do. And so we've all judged people for speeding, right? Maybe you did it this morning. But when do we judge people for speeding? When we don't, aren't in a rush. When we're actually left on time. And we're driving around and somebody's, where are they going so fast? They need to slow down. I will never forget this. My papa, who has passed away, um, just an awesome man, spoke it how it was. We were on the way to go fishing, flounder fishing at Slocum Creek. And we're riding down Highway 70. And I was probably in middle school. And he had this long, it was like a Pontiac Bonneville with a fishing, uh, a trailer hitch on it. And so that's what we, you know, took our, our little boat in. And we're riding down him and I'm sitting in the back seat and my papa's best friend, Ernest, was sitting in the passenger seat. And we're driving down the road and it's like 70 miles an hour, right? You know, from that stretch of Newburn to like Atlantic Beach, it's like 70 miles per hour. And so he's going like 55 and this car just comes, I mean, just flying up on it, riding his bumper, and he's looking back, and he starts talking to him like he can hear him. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about? Where, where are you going so fast? You need to slow down. 
And he, you know, kind of goes, well, this guy takes off. And he got to tell you what, you get on down, you get on down there. You get, I hope you get a speeding ticket. And he's talking to him, you know, and I'm just kind of laughing. And we get up the road about eight miles probably. And there's blue lights. And it was like all things were good for my papa at that moment. <laughs> you could see the glimmer of hope in his eyes as he's driving. Is, I, is that that? Is that that car? And he rides it, and I will never forget this. He rolls down the window. (laughs) Don't act like y'all didn't think it. He rolls down the window, and he honks the horn and goes, Woohoo, buddy! Slow her down! And it was just so funny, and it was good to him. But you know, that's like what we do in all situations, right? When it's not us, we're looking at other people. And then we find ourselves in that situation and we don't want people to judge us. Here, here's, listen to this. We judge when it's convenient for us. We judge when it makes us look righteous or holy. But when we judge, we must question our motivation. I, here's, a, here's a quote that Stephen Furtick said. He says, we have to, I'm sorry, this is not what he said, but this is one. Uh, yeah, it is. Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to a better understanding of ourselves. Everything that irritates you about other people should give you a better understanding of yourself. And so Jesus tells us, judge righteously. But how do we do that? We have to ask ourselves this. Are we seeking judgment for the sake of rightness or are we seeking judgment for the sake of righteousness? So turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And Paul is writing a letter here to the the church in Corinth and he is giving us some insight and he's talking talking specifically to the church. Now, let me ask you a question as you guys turn there. If you were sick, if you had these symptoms that, you know, you just didn't know what was going on with you, but you know you didn't feel good and you're like, man, I need to go to the hospital. And so you get in your car and you drive to the hospital and as you pull in, the doctors and the nurses are automatically able to identify what's wrong with you. Okay, they go, I know exactly what it is. They just know, come with me. And they bring you in and they go, here, I want you to come here. Let me show you the lobby. Here, let me introduce you to so-and-so. Now you're sick and you're going around. All right, come here. Let me sh- walk back in here to the emergency room. And they take you from room to room, floor to floor. Just, and you're just infecting everybody. You're just sick. Maybe you got the flu. You probably wouldn't want to go back to the hospital, right? That's not somewhere you'd probably want to go say, you know, I'm sick. They just bring people in, shedding, spreading, you know, all kinds of diseases and illnesses and stuff. No, you would say, I'm not going there. I'm going to somewhere else. And so this is kind of an illustration of what is happening here and what Paul's talking about in the church of Corinth in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And so there's, there's reports that there's sexual immorality in the people in the church of Corinth. And even goes to say, it gives an example, he says, you know, that people are even sleeping with their father's wives. And, and so, so Paul is just disgusted. He goes, you know, basically, you are supposed to be church, you're supposed to be Christians. You know, why are you adding like this? So he writes this letter, and so we're going to start reading there in verse 3. And, and listen to this statement that Paul says. He says, I have already passed judgment in the name of the Lord on who's been doing this. Now, if we're not supposed to judge, 
then Paul says right here and contradicts that very statement. He says, I have already passed judgment in the name of the Lord on those people who were talking about the sexually immoral that are supposed to be Christians that are part of the church that are doing this. That's a confusing statement. He goes on a little bit more. Verse 4. So when you're assembled, he says, and I am with you in spirit. I can't be there. And now here's the other indicator, and this is huge for us to get. When we find ourselves in this situation, he says, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present. Because I don't know about you, but how many times does it work out when we operate out of our flesh? How many times when we speak up, when we say certain things that Jesus won't, and none of that we said, we didn't think before we, before we spoke, we didn't pray about it before we spoke with our wife, we didn't pray about it before we confronted that person, a friend or a coworker at, at work, we just, I'm going to fix that right now. You know, they always say, sleep on it, you know, let it, let it simmer, you calm down. He says this, when you're assembled and I'm with you in spirit and when the power of our Lord Jesus is present, he says this statement. Now, this is huge. Hand, and, this is, and this is strong. Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit, the person who is the sexually immoral, may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. And, and look, there are people there boasting about it. They're happy about it. They don't care. He says, don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. Now he says, what you need to do when, when God's present, when you prayed about it, when you're all together, I want you to go to that person. And basically he says, cast them out. Now, we gotta, we gotta kind of illustrate and walk a fine line here to get to this, this place. Because, you know, we don't want necessarily just to go, you know, you're out of my life, you're done, I'm not talking to you anymore, right? I mean, that's why we have accountability, that's why we have small groups at this church, so that people who are struggling with these issues, the people who maybe are, are battling with an addiction, that we're there for support, we're there to encourage, we're there to speak into their life. So we understand that part. But what he's talking about is people who are, who are arrogant and prideful and, and don't care. Yes, you know, I, I, was, I was saved. I believed in Jesus, but here I am now. I found myself. I'm doing these things, and I'm content with that. I'm not convicted. They become numb. He's saying, let them fall down. Don't let them get in and influence. Now, all throughout Scripture, we see this, this idea of yeast, Right? And the majority of the time when we, we read about that, he's talking about, Jesus is talking about, Paul's talking about sin that creeps in into the dough. And said, you know, it messes the whole bread, the whole dough, all the, the whole batch, it messes it up. Now, what he's not saying is somebody comes in and they start gossiping and you're like, get out, get out of my presence. You know, I don't want nothing to do with you. Person comes to work. They're speeding. You got how many tickets? Don't talk to me anymore. You're not a Christian. That's not what he's saying. So we get that. And so he's saying, look, I don't want this to get in and corrupt the church. He said, the best thing for you to do, and he's, he says, judge, the best thing for you to do is, is push that person out. Let them fall down. Let them learn. He said, because it is better 
to hand them over so that they may be saved, so they can see what they're doing wrong, so they would be saved on the day of the Lord. Now what he is saying for those people who are Christians, he's saying, you know, you have to identify whether or not that person is content, whether they're struggling, and then he gives us even a little bit more insight to what we should do. In verse nine he says, Matter of fact, when he wrote this next part, it's almost like Paul was saying, you know what, I'm a little bit confused, but let me clarify for you a little bit. Because those of you who know, he, he wrote uh, uh, many letters and he sent a letter that maybe they were confused by. So he goes, let me just clarify. Because you know, in that past letter, I said this, but maybe you took what I said and, and you're applying it here. He says, let me clarify, verse nine. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and the swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. He's saying, what I wrote you does not apply for the people who do not know Christ. Because if that were the case, then everything that Jesus did would not make sense, right? For him to go to Zacchaeus. For him to go to Matthew, for him to go to the tax collectors, for him to go to the woman at the well, and for him to reach out. If, we were, if he were modeling this passage of Scripture here, if he was doing the things that Paul said here, then he would have never done those things that he did when he walked this earth. He said, no, I'm not talking about the people who are in the world. I'm talking about Christians I'm talking about you calling out, holding a cannibal and judging Christians for their behavior. Now, if you're, getting, if you're sitting right there going, you know what, I know somebody right now. I wish that person was sitting in here right now. They needed to hear that. You know, your motive and your heart's not right. And we're, we're gonna break it down even a little bit more. So just hang on with me for a second. Verse 11 says, but now I'm writing to you that you must not associate. Listen, I said this before, but now here's what I'm saying. Now I'm saying you must not associate with anyone that claims to be a what? Say that with me again. A what? Brother or sister, but a sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or slanderer or drunkard or swindler. Don't even eat with such people. They corrupt you. They will ruin you. They will mess you up. They will draw you away from God. Now, again, there's a difference with somebody who's battling and someone who is in habitual sin, who has turned to Christ, who is unrepentant, will not turn away from their ways and turn to Jesus. I love what Andy Stanley says in a sermon he was doing on this passage. And the bottom line that he said, he said, sometimes judging is loving. Sometimes judging is loving. Those of you who have kids, you know, maybe you have one, two, four, 12, I don't know. You have kids, you make decisions all the time. You, you, you play the rule of a judge, whether or not they can do this or whether or not they can do that because you're looking out for their best interests, right? You wanna protect them. You wanna keep them safe. You want them to go down the right path and you do all these things. And so sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes you have to make a harsh decision. Sometimes you have to go against what they don't wanna do. But, but for that situation, judging is loving. Verse 12, he says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? He's like, who am I to judge those outside of the church? That's not for me to do. 
But how many times do we do that? How many times do we see churches that say you got to have it all together before you can come in? I want to tell you an illustration in just a, a moment. But how many times do we see the church is the worst for crucifying their own, for wounding their own, for going, you know what? When you turn and when you find Jesus, you can come in. When you clean up, when you get it all right, you can come in and you can find Jesus. He says, are you not to judge those inside? And that's a question. He says, God will judge those outside. That person we're talking about, that person who's corrupting the loaf, that person who's content, the immoral, the sexually immoral, he said, expel the wicked person from among you. See, the problem is that we judge the immoral. We judge those who don't know Christ. And I'll tell you one thing, man, that just oh, messes me up. And you've probably seen it on the news. But, <clears throat> and I'm not trying to here to talk down bad about churches. But this is wrong. I mean, we, if you've ever followed the news, you see the name Westboro Baptist Church. And I'm not here to call out you know, churches. But for people at the church model... For people to, to totally uh, go against everything that Jesus Christ stood for and they stand on it, that, that's righteousness and that's holy, man. It's messed up and it, it has given a bad, bad taste in the media because, you know, that's what they cover. And so we see that example. We see, and we judge when it's convenient for us. If we can get someone to appear lower, then guess what? It makes us appear higher. When we can look at somebody and go, oh, man, they got this, this, and this. And that makes us appear higher. But judging the wrong way gives us a false sense of security that God sees their big mistakes and overlooks ours. I was talking to a good friend of mine who is doing some awesome things in this community. And he was just sharing with me how they're planning these um, sort of community center type deals and the projects. And all the different projects in Goldsboro, they're basically setting up uh, study rooms and coaching rooms and mentoring rooms. And they've gone and bought furniture and they've done all these things to try to reach out to a group that many people are, are not wanting to and maybe even afraid to reach out to. And so they went and bought furniture and, and they're having these people who are going and doing tutoring and helping with their senior projects. And, and he's telling me about all these, um, these young girls, 15-year-old, 17-year-old pregnant girls and, and people that if they don't pass their senior project, they're going to fail out of high school. And they're going in this church and they're mentoring and they're developing these students. And he's telling me about how they're fed up with church. And he's telling me stories about how that these pregnant girls who had no role model growing up, nobody really to look after them, said, I don't want to go to church. And he said, I, I, some girls were telling me the other day, I don't want to go back to my church. They said, why? He said, because we're pregnant, they make us sit on the back row. He said, how about you? He said, I don't, I don't want to go back to my church. He said, why? He said, because they said, I can't come in if my pants are hanging down. So in other words, what we're saying is, we'll let people hear the gospel of Jesus when they're perfect and when they come in right. Is that what we're telling? Right? Here it is, on situations of the church judging the non-Christians, the immoral, what Jesus tells us not to do. And so how do we confront? So say you're in that situation. How do you confront? How do you go to somebody how do you call somebody out and say, man, look, here's the deal. I got to talk to you. 
what you're doing, what you're saying is not lining up with what Christ said. And you call yourself a Christian, but man, we need to talk. Jesus gives us that example as we read this last week. He said, before you pick out the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, the first thing you need to do is what? Remove the log in your own. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm on the set design team here at our church. I do a lot of construction. Not great. Don't call me to, to come sheetrock. Ask David Casey. I do a horrible job. He's sitting on the front row. Thank you for helping us out. But cutting wood every time, every time I cut wood, I get sawdust in my eye. How many of you men or women have ever had sawdust in your eye, right? It's annoying. It hurts. It itches. You get, you know, don't rub it. Close your eye, whatever, whatever. So they like put goggles on. Have you ever tried to do anything with sawdust in your eye? You will hurt yourself, Right? I mean, you will trip over stuff. You can't see. You'll stub your toe. I mean, especially if it gets in both your eyes when you close. And so, I mean, I think that's a perfect depiction, a perfect example for us. You can't go to somebody else and help them when you yourself are messed up. So he says, first, the first, don't go to them first. The first thing you do is remove the log. Ask Jesus. Turn, turn towards repentance self-evaluation, and when you are in the right spirit, when Jesus is, is there with you, then you go, hey, Jesus never said don't, don't judge and call people and hold them accountable. Matter of fact, in Matthew, I believe it's 18, he even says if you have uh, beef or discord with somebody else, he gives us a perfect example of how we're supposed to do it. So it's not that we're not supposed to, it's the right motive and the right people. We need to judge righteously. So our first response is to remove our own. When the sin of your brother, or your father, or your friend, when it breaks your heart, then you know your motivation is right. I mean, think about that for a moment. When, when you see people and it breaks your heart, not that you want to prove them right, let me tell them, but when it breaks your heart, then you know that your motivation is right. So I want to close with this. Our responsibility as Christians is to hold each other accountable. Paul says, when we see this happening, it's okay. Because it's better for you to go to that person. It's better for you to call out and reach out to that person than to that person on judgment day lose their entire life in hell. So will you stand with me real quick? So I want to pray for us and I hope that this God is used to, to speak to you. To sp I know it's spoken to me. And it would all make sense for us because I think we all need a reality check. We all need a self-check of our motives and our intentions behind our judgment.